Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Christy, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? Oh, sure. My name is Christy Beers Fagerstad. I'm a linguist, um, currently uh, residing, working, living in Sweden. Um, and I work at Södertörn University, just outside of Stockholm. Now, when it comes to linguistics, where are you focused in? I mean, what discipline of linguistics? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do sociolinguistics, which is the study of um, the relationship between uh, like society and, and language, um, but really looking at the social aspects of language. And I do discourse analysis. Um, so looking at like longer stretches, stretches of text, um, what people do over, uh, you know, periods of time um, with their language. Uh, and also pragmatics and pragmatics is the study of meaning making. So what what efforts we make to be understood by others and also what efforts do others make to understand. So the, you know, the, the, the collaboration that we go through to understand each other. When it comes to the pragmatics, like trying to understand what someone is saying, I mean, is that more of just the way that modern speech has developed or could that be like cultural things as well too? Cause I know a couple of people that are from other places, other countries, and they've been here for a very long time, but if it's from Hawaii, like my cousins are from Hawaii, I can't understand a single thing that they're saying. It's apparently a language called pidgin, which is like, it's English, but it's also their words are really cut down to where you ask them if they're hungry. They're like, I'm full on aloha. Thank you. I'm like, what'd you just say? He's like, I'm full on aloha. Thank you. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'm passing McDonald's. So just give me an answer. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, I think that's a great example because, um, after you said I had I had to catch up a little bit I could I could understand it retroactively in terms of what words were said um, but like you even though the words were were enunciated I would still have trouble like what does that actually mean um, when someone is using aloha so it can be um, it can be you know maybe on the kind of phonological level in terms of the efforts we have to make to understand um, people it can be on the lexical, like what words are they using? Are they using words that in a way that is kind of foreign to us, even though we use the same words, um, that kind of lexical or semantic level. And it could be on uh, the cultural level too, that we understand all the words and the words have the same meaning, but they're put together in a way that, that reflects another practice of communication. So I would say that all those levels are involved, um, sometimes at the same time, sometimes separately. Now, does have you looked and see if like maybe social con like like devices have those changed the context of certain words? I feel like some people say like brb, and I'm like that's for you send that in a text. You could just say be right back. I mean, does it take that much time? But it's also our whole language. It seems now. I mean, we understand head nods, for instance. Like if I give you a head nod up, it means like what's up, and then if I give you a head nod down, it means like I agree with you. Like so, it seems like language is evolving, but it's it's shortening or it's not even being spoken at all. And I I don't know if do you. Th I mean, do you agree with that? Would it be devices or anything of that sort that you've been able to look at? Yeah. Well. Um... I think it's just always important to remember that language is constantly changing. So it's really a dynamic system and it's adapting to everything new that we're doing. So technology, even though we're kind of used to it now and there are generations that have grown up just on technology, it's still kind of new um, in terms of mobile technology and even like television technology um, and social media technology. So it's still kind of new and we have adapted really well and also really quickly. 
um, using, you know, whatever's at our fingertips right now. I'm kind of looking at my keyboard and, and seeing all, not just the alphabet, but all these symbols and um, uh, uh, just like numbers and, and all these things that I can use if I'm going to be texting someone or kind of writing, you know, chat on, on my computer. Um, things that I can use to uh, help me get my meaning across or to, um, you know, adjust my meaning a little bit. You can think about emojis. Emojis are maybe difficult to say out loud. You could go around and say, I don't know, like peach or um, modern day hieroglyphics. zucchini or something. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's fantastic when people, you know, that people are actually saying BRB or sometimes I've even heard brb. Um, so they'll try to pronounce it. You know, my, my kids will say limfao. Um, you know, so L M F A O. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, like so, these things kind of get pronounced. I'm sure you've heard like lol or even lols. Um, so it's. I mean, I just think it it shows how amazing we are, how talented we are at communicating and um, using what's available to us in creative, clever ways. But nevertheless, understanding each other when we do that. Um, I mean, you just looked at like when I said Lymphal, you're like, huh? I saw your, you know, your eyebrows go down, but then you got it and you, and you laughed because you, you made that connection. You, you know, you worked it out in your head. Um, so that just shows that we, we are able to create and, you know, disseminate and maybe people scratch their head. Like, what is that? And then they get it and you just run with it, you know, and it, 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 it takes wing and spreads. Now, from your own personal experiences, are you able to, now that you study this at least, but when you look at people when they talk, are you analyzing a lot of their language? Like I was originally going to school for psychology, and now it seems like after I knew the DSM criteria and all this, I found myself analyzing every single person I would meet in the beginning. Not so much now because I'm actually more balanced human, but I would look at people when they would say something and I would be like, oh, this person probably like, they probably might've just got a flat in their tire. I would give them a whole backstory that wasn't there, but I was <laughs> trying to rationalize the actions of maybe someone being abrasive in a store, maybe someone being on a time crunch, like maybe they got a paper due or something like that. I mean, do you find yourself analyzing language now when someone's like, even when I'm talking on certain things besides the accent that I have, but other certain things like, I know language has to be linked in with intellect in some sense of the word. Mm. Um, well, first, I just want to say, I think that's that's really fantastic that you found yourself, um, you know, kind of inserting yourself into people's story worlds and 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 trying to figure out what's going on with them, what's making them tick. Um, so I think that you must understand that um, uh, it's difficult not to do that. You know, once once your eyes are open to something, um, or your attention is drawn to something, you tend to see it everywhere. You know, that phenomenon, I'm sure it's got a name, but I don't know. It's like owning a Jeep and then you see a Jeep everywhere. And then, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it, it, it comes with the, with the territory. You know, if you're interested in languages and you probably are drawn to linguistics and the more you found out, find out about how languages work, the more, um, open you are to seeing examples of that. And then you see examples of things that maybe you can't quite put a finger on or name and you need to find out more. So it's just really difficult to turn it off. Um, I would like to think that it that it doesn't impede um, my communication so much, but I'm sure it does because I find myself um, thinking, you know, if, if someone's talking uh, and, and maybe you're talking and you just say something with in a particular way, we talked about your accent earlier and 
And maybe I'll start to think, oh, there's there's an example. You know, there's a vowel sound that I haven't heard from him yet. And I'll go off on my in my own head, you know, thinking about how you just sounded when you said something. And now it's 10 minutes later, you know, you're still talking and I've missed everything that you said. Um, so it can be it can be um, a hindrance uh, when when you're sort of thinking about language all the time and, and trying to communicate with people. But I, I think it also enriches um, conversations too, because you tend to be really attentive, you know, and, and except when you get distracted, distracted, then you, then you lose your attention. But otherwise, um, I feel like linguists are pretty good listeners um, because we're just curious about how people say things, you know, what they're trying to get across and what, what strategies they have to do that. Have you noticed that sometimes, like, if I, like I notice if I say something, someone has to go like, "Did you mean it like this?" And I'm like, "What?" And maybe it's my ADHD that I tend to not overthink a whole lot of things. I kind of just let it flow out of my head because my brain's going like a million miles a minute. But not not because I'm smart, just because ADHD. But I'm kind of like when I end up ranting about something, I'll say something, and someone will stop at a little specific note, and they'll grab and they're like, "Did you mean something like this?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, that's not what I meant at all." And then I don't know if it's like there's a clarification that I need to do where I need to back up. It's I, I would hate to bring it into a political example, but if you ever mention an example that happens to do with politics, you either if you like don't agree with that person, usually with Trump, you have to be like, I'm not a Trumper. You have to do something like that. And I'm like, that's a weird like social, I wouldn't say social context, but it's a weird add-in with language that I've started to notice where you have to clarify something by adding something else on top of it. And I don't know if there's any other distinctions or examples that you've come across or if there's anything about language in general that that gives meaning to, where someone either takes a piece of something or if you have to preface something with something else just to make sure people don't assume that you're going to go down a certain direction. Does that make sense? I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking about like your example when you said I'm not a trumper um it kind of reminded me of now it's pretty cliche but when people say I'm not a racist and that's, that's what I'm saying it's like it, I'm not even I'm not even political but there's like things now I've started to notice you have to give like a a foreground to like if I say it's like yeah if you touch a light bulb you'll get burned but don't touch a light bulb we don't really do that with that but there's like other things I've started to notice that people stop at the word, like there's certain words that they hear it and immediately the end of the conversation of whatever is flowing that I'm saying has stopped because their brain is now attracted to the word that they heard that was like yeah. a pinch to their ear. Yeah, right. I get it. Um, but I wonder if that's not because um, if we just if we think about the kind of political or social climate now. Um, there are these sort of, uh, I mean, maybe they are just single words that can kind of, that are code for some things. And, and perhaps that, that's what uh, trips people up. Um, I don't know. Well, it's like liberals, liberals one. My buddy just said this to me the other day. He's like, it's, if you say it, some people think it's like an offensive way of saying it. I'm like, but I don't, I thought that was a way to identify. Like there's things I just don't know. I mean, it's the political thing. We don't have to enter that discussion if you don't want to, but there is like weird words in our society that if you say something, it's immediately either a pinch to the ears or you have to kind of clarify what you mean by it, or people can mistreat it as something wrong. And it's like, I don't, I, sometimes I just don't even think about it. It's like, you have to overthink the overthink. I'm like, oh, I just want to say how I feel. And then people are like, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah, it's a minefield. Um, 
in, in certain situations, I think it can be a minefield. And I think a lot of people are, are really overly aware of um, what other people are saying and what they're saying. And it can, it can make for difficult conversations. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I reached out, like I said, we're going to talk about swearing at some point. But I just got one thing before we head on to the swearing subject. Have you been able to find with language that you can base a person's intellect on language? Like if they use an overcomplicated amount of words that are very like I could toss out boondoggle, nobody's really going to know what that word is, but yeah. I know what it means. But it makes it sound good for a conversation. I've noticed this with lawyers; they'll start tossing out a bunch of really not old school words, but very sophisticated words where I can understand what they're saying because I've I've read a dictionary. But <laughs> they'll start saying a bunch of stuff in a short amount of time where it makes it sound like what they're saying is very intelligent. But it's really kind of might just be base level on some things. Yeah, you know, I, I think that on the one hand, we have um, professions. And for particular professions, there, there are, there's like a vocabulary. Um, there's a, a jargon and there's a register for particular professions. So if you, if you aren't really um, familiar with the fields of medicine or law, then there might be a lot of words that you don't know, don't recognize, and, and can't even figure out when they're used in context. And I think um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately say um, use like familiarity with that vocabulary and accurate usage of that, of that terminology necessarily means uh, or corresponds to high intellect, but rather um, it shows that someone is uh, kind of entrenched in their profession. And even in linguistics, we have a vocabulary and terminology that uh, that we could use that might be foreign to like otherwise really competent uh, speakers of the language. Um, so we we have this kind of specialized vocabulary that I would that I would put you know on on one end of maybe of a scale. And uh, you could you can be super smart or really dumb, but but know these words if that is your if that's your field if that's your profession. And then I think that. Um, you can you can maybe uh, get an impression of someone's uh, intelligence or intellect through the way they speak. Um, it might be because they use uh, perhaps words that aren't that common um, anymore, meaning that they they have an awareness of um, of not just you know the the core uh, vocabulary that most native speakers have. Um, so that that might be an indication. Um, but something that I think is is kind of um, reliably uh, associated with with intellect or intelligence is if a person is like has quick wit or humor, um, because I think that that is is something that is a little bit difficult to um, you know to do on the fly, like to say something. Oh God, I'm missing both of those. <laughs> Oh no, I'm sure you no. I mean, every, everyone tends to be sort of self-deprecatory, but um, uh, but I, I I just wonder if you would agree with me that that when someone is like just super quick and and can make a you know make a joke or or turn you know see the humor in something um, really quickly, it tends to be a little bit impressive. Uh, like I, I often find myself sort of like, oh, you know, that was really fast. That was really funny, um, and it makes me think uh, if it's someone I don't know very well, like hmm, maybe this person you know, has, has more to offer than, than I was aware of. I, I looked at it as I got, always got shamed for doing something like that. People would just call it disruptive and then kind of cast it out, which is, I don't know if that's just because maybe it loses focus of what the 
I might be interrupting as well too. I tend to do that a lot. Um, but that can be seen as a little bit rude as well too. But it's also different because all of our brains think at different paces and we process information at different paces as well too. I would think that it would kind of put you, I'm not saying put you above the rest, but it would at least show that you have more potential than possibly what you're giving off. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the fact that you say that, uh, that you interrupt, um, that's something that we would, that we would expect. Like, you know, if you want to be quick, if you want to capture this moment that um, that has sort of opened opened a door to a humorous comment, um, you got to say it. You got to just like act on that before the funny's gone. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's right. That's right. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, your interruptions are appreciated uh, when <laughs> when for the, when they're for the sake of humor. Now, the reason I asked that question about intellect and language is because it's going to bring us right into swear words. But I've noticed that some, some of the smartest people I know happen to swear a lot, but people would consider that unprofessional, and people would consider that like the, that person's moronic or a bit of an idiot. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I've seen that guy be able to fix his car with a toothbrush. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like that's a smart guy and whatever he's smart in, but I, there's a – for me, like language is, especially when it comes to swear words, there's a big stigma in society about it. And I think I noticed it more when I was, I actually probably noticed it less when I was a kid, but I've noticed it more now doing the, like the podcast and stuff of that sort. Cause I keep my show conversation. I let my guests curse if they want to curse and say different words and things of that sort. But also there's, you come with people that haven't experienced that in their life. And then it's pointed out to you that yes, this person might curse a lot, or there's persons using curse words or profound language. And you're like, well, I never saw that. And I would think with more of modern society, the way we've developed, I see more movies that have curse words in it, which I was like, is this rated R? And like, no, it's PG-13. I'm like, what? This movie has said a couple of things where I'm like, I'm not even a parent, but as red flags start going up in my head, like I'm not taking my nephew to this. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I wonder, I'm, I'm not, I'm not up to date on um, what kind of, developments there have been in standards for um, setting the ratings for movies. But uh, I definitely also have observed that there is more swearing um, in movies without necessarily having like the rated R. Um, but but just to go back to uh, what you said earlier, if we want to connect this like swearing with um, intelligence, if it's okay, I'd like to refer back to the podcast that you had with um, with Tim Jay, who talked about this a little bit um, because there, there I, 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 I'm, I'm in a little bit of disagreement uh, with him. And, and I know he talked to you about a study that they had done where they, you know, they collected a bunch of people and had them come up with as many swear words as they could and then come up with as many words starting with particular letters or um, come up with words in particular um, uh, like categories. Um, and what they found was that people who could come up with a lot of words for starting with particular letters or in particular categories also were able to come up with a lot of swear words. And the conclusion they drew was that, um, you know, there's a, there's a correlation between um, a good vocabulary and and also knowing a lot of a lot of swear words. Um, so that from that, you can extrapolate that. Um, if you have a good vocabulary, you're an intelligent person. And so even intelligent people swear or the swearing can be a sign of intelligence. So I, I, I don't want to misrepresent his study in any way. 
Um, and it's not, it's not the case that everything is showing everything. So I, I appreciate the study and I think that their methodology was, was sound in that uh, they, they, sh they showed some relationship. But I do take offense to, or not offense, but I, I, I wanna just point out that um, the studies that, uh, that, they, that they ran, uh, they did with um, college students of a, of a liberal arts college who have um, pretty good grades to begin with to get into a college like that, and probably from a middle-class background. So their, their vocabularies are, are going to be good um, just, it, did, it didn't study didn't start off on the wrong foot. You're saying. Um, well, I I think that you know a complaint that I and other people have with a lot of swearing studies is that they're done on they're done by researchers at universities on people that they have closest to them at their fingertips, and that's college students. Um, and they're already well educated. I I mean I I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. Um, so I just, I just don't think that that, um, that those results apply to everybody. And, 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 and Tim even said himself that, you know, you can give a person a minute to come up with all the swear words they can, but you really need like 20 seconds, um, because there aren't that many. And then, then you just start making up new words with the words you already have. Um, so it's not like there are people who are coming up with hundreds of, of, of swear words. And, and that's showing that, you know, they have this, you know, lexical prowess. Um, rather, these people have good vocabularies to begin with. And just like everyone else out there, they can also come up with swear words. Um, so I, I, just, I just wish that this study could be done on other populations of people so we can, we can really see um, what's going on with, the, with this connection between vocabulary and swear words. Um, and also, is is vocabulary really what we want to depend on if we're going to claim some kind of like intelligence? I, I'm just not. I'm just not sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm convinced that you have to show you know, um, you know, more more words than than the top ten percent of people um, to show that you're intelligent. I think that you can you can have different kinds of intelligence, and I think different kinds of intelligence um, can can correlate with swearing in different ways. Uh, so I'm, I mean, I, I realize I'm being I'm being vague. Um, no, I agree I with think, you. Was my, I think that my, there's more to it. My question before about the intellect basis of that was I do because I, I do think there's a lot of people that know a lot of big words. And when they try and toss them out like that, like sometimes I'm in an intellectual chess match. I don't know I'm in until like I'm like at towards the end of it. And it's because like if I'm speaking to a lawyer, if I'm speaking to someone and I might say something, like I said, where someone picks something out of something I said and they immediately assume, OK, this person that might be on the left side or the right side. But now they're not on my side because I was saying this and they said that, but I'm hooked on that word, which surprisingly, it happens a lot on this because like you'll come across a topic from the 70s or the 80s or something that happened a historical event. And if you have a slight disagreement, they'll stay on that disagreement part and not continue with the rest of the stuff you might agree with. Well, then that's the intellectual chess match. And they put an onslaught of like huge, sophisticated words. And for me, I don't feel the need to ever break out. I've read the dictionary. It was a punishment I used to do for basically not doing my homework. My dad would sit me down and have me write 10 words and definitions onto a piece of paper from the dictionary. And I basically completed the dictionary. Do I remember all the words? No. I'm lucky if I remember most of my episodes that I do as well too. But there's a, there's a lot of things that I started to be able to realize that when I'm in a conversation, I have a word that comes in my head and I remember what that definition is and I'm able to say it. 
but I just don't feel the need to ever flex like that. That's a weird flex, but it's a good one if you want to come off as like intelligent. But I feel like speaking off the mind, you get more of what the person is trying to say. And that happens to do with a lot of my vocabulary is swear words because that's what's on my mind. Damn and all these other words. I don't hold them stigmatized. And I think there's only a common couple that you hear about. Rarely do I ever hear like one that's it's just something added to it. Like you'll say, damn, and then something else on top of it. I'm like, that's not a new curse word. That just means you added something to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to speak to that. Uh, I really love that comment. But um, just in, in terms of like kind of flexing, um, there was something, there was this, I, I really thought it was a phenomenon. And sadly, I never got an opportunity to look into this further and really research it. But this phenomenon that I think I observed um, was uh, when young-ish, young female uh, celebrities were on talk shows. So like Jay Leno or Conan or David Letterman or, you know, now it's Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel. Um, what I, now this was, this was many, many years ago, but what I noticed was something that I started to call the super smart starlet syndrome. And there would be these, these young women, these young women celebrities, come on. And I felt like they were trying to prove something, like flex. Um, so they would be using these, these sort of uncommon, you know, uh, unusual words, um, as if to show that they were really well-read, um, had a great vocabulary, and wanted to get into these kind of serious serious conversations. Um, and I really felt that it was something that I didn't, I didn't see male guests doing. Um, and I, I've always wondered if it was something like, in order to be taken seriously, um, that there was this kind of cadre of young women who, uh, I think, really, honestly, did do a lot of reading, they really, they really tried to educate themselves. Um, but it was a little bit of a deliberate show of, of, their vocabulary and the reading that they had that they had done um, in an attempt to come across as uh, more serious and to be taken seriously. Um, I've always just had had that in the back of my mind. I would agree because I think society has really pushed on looks for females for a very long time, and you know there are a lot more than that, obviously. But it's just like that's. I mean, I don't know how recent that is, but a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of intelligent women out there. And I think the fact that they feel pressure to show themselves as, you know, here, I'm intelligent. Let me toss out a couple of things. I don't know why we based, I mean, you can see that in movies. It was always, you know, someone in a bikini that's really, really hot as an actress, but you never see the guy in a bikini. So it's like, you know, there's like a kind of a double standard there. I would say it would probably be the pressure then. Cause I mean, if you're doing an interview, I mean, you got to wear a nice dress. You got to do a bunch of stuff. But I feel that pressure too as a guy. Like I have to dress in my nice clothes. I can't wear a hoodie. Even though I like wearing a hoodie, this is my comfortable phase. But I, that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, did, did you notice that on more than just like a couple talk shows? Is it? You, have you looked at anything today to be able to find if there's... No, no. I haven't looked at it um, in, in recently. But um, but but I, I do wonder if it isn't, if it isn't some kind of phenomenon. Um, and... And I, I, I think that you're right. I think there still is uh, this, these different expectations on, uh, for example, women celebrities, and especially when they go on these talk shows, they always, they always look nice. And there are, I've seen men celebrities who would come on wearing a hoodie or sneakers or, and jeans. So 
right there, there are two different norms and two different standards um, for male and female guests. Um, but but I, I, I do suspect that there is something like, not only do they need to look great, but they have to have substance. And I think that I think it, it's an it's an attempt, an overt attempt to show that there is substance. And I don't doubt that there's substance. I just think it's an interesting way to assert that substance by using un, uncommon words. I get uncomfortable when the host takes his hand and puts it on the, the lady's leg. And Oof. I don't ever see him do that to a guy. But I noticed no. a lot of that. There was a recent video that was trending at David Letterman where he was sucking on a girl, Jennifer Aniston's hair. His hair, yeah. That's so weird. I have never been that comfortable with anybody to want to do that, even if they're friends. No, it's very strange. Um, and for a while, uh, I, now I don't even know if anyone remembers Jay Leno, but Jay Leno was on, and I was actually tracking. Um, he never had a female guest that he didn't say, you look great, or you look at you. Uh, every female guest, he commented on the appearance and rarely did that to men. I wonder what that... See that I was about to say I was about to double standard myself because I was like I always compliment when I see a girl with a new haircut, but then also at the same time I also compliment a guy on their haircut as well too because it's just nice it makes them feel good. But I think Jay Leno he has more of that southern I think that's more of a southern thing I would say you know compliment a woman if they're wearing a new dress or something like. But I don't like the whole like where they walk up and they meet the person and they kiss them on yeah. the cheek. No, <laughs> I have never done that in my entire life and I never will. I think it's weird every time I see somebody do it, even if they're friends, that's just a strange thing to me. That's so, I don't intimate to where I'm like, even if you, if you're a host and you just met this person, why do we consider that like common courtesy or manners or something of that sort of, that, that's whole wall of professionalism. I have questions about. Mm. Yeah. But I think that's a, a highly stylized, uh, social context there with, with, with talk shows and, and the expectations and the norms. It's very different from real life, I think. Do you think like, I mean, some talk shows even, I've heard a lot more cursing than I've heard at least in the past before they would bleep it out. But I mean, I think they still bleep it out, but you would actually hear a little bit more word drops and even the guests can drop some words. But what about news? Do you think that we would accept news if they actually were using language as much as like independent, maybe not as much as I do, but maybe language at all no i don't think so and um like i thought it was super interesting to see how news channels handled um for example when trump said grab him by the pussy and shithole countries because he how do you that? report on that yeah um Holy how shit. do you report on that without repeating it i know the i knew the first one i didn't know the second one that's crazy yeah yeah um, so it was really, really interesting to see and to see how newspapers handled it because they would sometimes censor it, like using asterisks um, or uh, like uh, news on television. They would um, kind of circumlocute a little bit, see if they can talk around it. Uh, and then people just ended up saying it because that's what he said. So, you know, they had to. And there's a difference, I think, when you're quoting someone as opposed to just deciding spontaneously to swear. Um, but for a while, people were, were kind of really um, unsure how, how to proceed there. Uh, and, and even there, there are more television shows um, that are you know, veering into swear word territory with their titles. So there was that show called uh, Shit's Creek. And um, I was listening to NPR when they were... Um, 
when the show first came out and they were going to interview the writer and and on fresh air like terry gross had to say or maybe it was david bianculli i can't remember but one of the hosts said that they couldn't say they couldn't say the name of the show on air um so i mean i, I just thought that was really fascinating because the show is called schitt's creek s-c-h-i-t-t -T. it's a name so really you're not swearing at all you're, you're saying a word that happens to sound like another word and and just you know this idea that an audience cannot or doesn't want to uh make that distinction i think is really telling about you know our continued anxiety with uh with swear words i'm like that with the word dick even if I have a friend that's like, Richard, they want to be called Dick. I feel that is the rudest thing to say that to them, even though they said, call me Dick. I'm like, ain't going to happen. I'll just say hi to you. I have a couple friends named Richard, and I, that's what they want to be called by. I will not call them that. I just can't. Even though they gave me the permission to do so, to me, it's just like that's what I would call when you're mad at someone, you call them that. You don't say it even if that's your nickname. To me, that just seems more offensive. And they understand, I think, at this point because I'll just be like, I just call everybody man at this point. And it does get me in some trouble. I'll be like, if it's a lady, whoever, whatever they identify, I just say, hey, man, all the time. I My grandparents were hippies. So it's like really simple. Just like that was a – I'm like the dude from the Big Lebowski, which gets me out of like if I forget somebody's name, then that's a good thing. But at this point with like the word dick, I just can't say that if that's somebody's nickname. I don't know if that's just me. I mean do you have any words where it's a curse word? I mean even like Shit's Creek, the example used. I mean do you have anything like that that you can't say just because it is something that's whether it's ingrained into you or it's just very difficult for you to be able to say either if it's a curse word or anything? Um, well, you know, now I've gotten pretty used to saying all curse words. Uh, you know, it just comes with the territory that I talk about them all the time and I say them. Um, uh, just about Dick, I think it's super, uh, that's just also a super interesting example. Um, because, because there, there are still people who are called that. Um, and I'm sure they'll just get away from me. <laughs> yeah, you, and, and it is. I mean, I would really love to ask them, like, what do they, what do they think about that? Um, knowing that it can also be used as a as a swear word. Um, and and there was another TV show, uh, I think based on a book, and that TV show was called I Love Dick, and it was about somebody named Dick and this woman's infatuation with him. But you know, they get away with it because it's a it's a person's name. Um, and even a long time ago, I mean, I think this was in the 80s, I, I think it was in the 80s, there was um, a television show with uh, a really, you know, then famous um, comedian actor named Bob Newhart. Is that, does that ring a bell? Bob Newhart. So, and I think the show was just called Newhart. But in the show, his name was Dick Loudon. And uh, every once in a while, another character would get kind of angry at him and, and they would be having like a, a little dispute or something. And it would end with the other person saying, okay, Dick. And the way, you know, just the way they said it, That's it was one. really ambiguous. I thought it was going to be stop dicking around. That would even be better, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would have been a good, good one too, but it was just ambiguous enough, you know? So if, if you were so inclined, you could see that it was somebody using his name as a swear word at the same time 
as as his name. Um, so it, it, there there have been examples, and there are many examples still, like in popular culture, where where swear words are kind of woven in in this way, sort of um, you know brought in through the back door in a way, um, and and even uh, uh, kind of blatantly but still in a censored way um, on um, the good place where, because there, there, there are people who apparently had landed in, in heaven, where, which they called the good place. And in the good place, because it's supposed to be heaven, you're not allowed to swear. So there were, there were people who ended up in this good place who weren't supposed to be there. They were supposed to go to the bad place. So these people, um, you already know that they're, they're going to be people who would like to swear because they're mistakenly in the good place, but they're unable to swear in the good place. So uh, they were saying things like mother forking shirt balls. Um, and, you know, so, so there was always fork or forking. It was always shirt. It was always um, bench. Uh, so you never got the real swear words, but you knew exactly which swear words were being said. Um, so you know, we, we've been playing with this ambiguity or with this um, very, very close replacement strategy uh, to accomplish swearing in these contexts where, um, where, where you wouldn't, wouldn't expect swearing. Um, and I, as to your question about if there are words that I won't say, um, uh, absolutely. Um, it's a word that I don't consider a swear word. I consider it a slur, and it's the N-word. Um, and I, 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 and I think it's fascinating to look at, at the, uh, evolution of that word. You know, it's just a fascinating story, but, um, I really, um, I really, really like to see that it has, um, it, I, I, I don't, I don't really know what, what verb I was thinking, but, um, I haven't heard anyone say that word outside of movies or popular culture. And, and I don't know how long, um, Aside from people who are allowed to, um, if we think that that word has been reappropriated, and I just think it's incredible. I think it's really um, it's incredible to see how aware people are and how they're how willing a lot of people are to uh, adjust their speech um, and their and their language practices to do the right thing. Um, you know, to, to, to be aware of how times are, have changed and are changing and, you know, to make these efforts to not offend um, and even to, to let words that are, that are painful and hurtful just, you know, leave their vocabulary. I think that's also, even we talked earlier about the way that, that we are creative and clever with language, we come up with things, but I think it's also, um, it's also good for us to point out that we're also ready to let things go. Um, if we see that that words have done nothing but harm, we should let them go. Um, and so I, I'm I'm happy to see that people are letting the that word go. Um, at the same time, other people are reappropriating that word uh, in a way that they want to. And I think that that's really fantastic to see that to see people take power over language that has previously taken power over them. Um, that's an that's an incredible thing to do that we can we can you know re reappropriate and 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 take take the power from language that has previously been used uh, in harmful hateful ways. 
Um, so we're, we're coming up with new things. We're letting things go. We're seeing the relationship between society and language. And we're adapting according to that. Now, not everyone does that. And that's where we get tension, right? Um, but, but we see these changes happening. And, and language is constantly changing. It's constantly ready for us to uh, you know, wield it in a way that makes space for people um, and allows us to see where, where language has been used as a weapon and to de-weaponize uh, ourselves. I agree with you on that word. I don't consider it a swear word. I consider it a slur, which is why I don't say it. I told you I can't even say Arnold's last name because it includes it in there. But I had a guest, same subject about swearing, and this isn't Timothy J. It's someone completely different. This was just like last week. Said the N word like six times. I was like, bro, I got to edit those out. I was like, whether it's just what, and he, the thing he was using up was references in books and things of this sort. And it wasn't any way in hateful language. It was just speaking about the language and the, the development of how the society has gone. Very academic principle wise. I go, I just don't like it that much to where I don't see the need to even include it in there. You know what I mean? And then that's, I mean, that could be considered hate policy as well, too, if you want to go by guidelines on things. But and for me, it was even when he said it, you just see my eyes kind of go like, okay, look. Here's a story for you. So I convinced my parents when I was a kid in sixth grade, no, sixth grade, fifth grade at the dinner table. I remember this like it was just yesterday. I said, look, all these kids at school could curse. And I'm saying mother effort and I'm saying all this. Can I have the ability to curse? And my parents looked at each other and they looked at me and they said everything but the N word. Can't say that word. And that's where this, that's where the ingrain of never saying that word came from to where the point where I can't, I will not say it now. I don't, I don't get comfortable even talking about it, but the other words, damn. I mean, which dam is it? The, is the Hoover Dam? Is it any of those? So there's these words that have like they you could like it's like Dick. It's a name or it's a, something against somebody or you're calling somebody and it's like hateful speech. But then there's dam and it's either the dam or that's why I don't consider it a curse word. I don't consider dam a curse word. I mean, do you think that will eventually evolve out of using curse words at all? I mean, do you think that we should just normalize it to saying it all, or do you think it would just be better just to? never like make sure that curse words were off the table swearing is off the table and then we just because we will evolve as a society not to use curse words if it's like a punishment thing but also if we normalize it we don't give it any power and to me i damn is just something i'll stub my toe i'll say it as much as i want because i don't consider it a curse word the ones i consider a curse word are like the f word and the s word which i've said probably more times than i could count but those are just for specific moments where i'm not thinking and i'll be like sometimes i think the f word adds to something that i say to make it have more impact not as like in an argument which in an argument it can do but sometimes a joke like when you say i don't give up and then you drop it and to me it's just like that fits and flows very nicely but then like shit i mean are we talking about the act of going to take a which is like that's not as bad that's not cursing but then if you say something like you're a shithead that's a cur that's that's very that's where i would throw it into the square category yeah yeah um and i, I think that's interesting too because um w we who research swear words uh, aren't always all in agreement um and some people think that if you are using for example uh shit to actually mean excrement um that that then it has that denotative meaning and it ceases to be a swear word. But for me, it still is a swear word. Even though you've given me two very different examples, I think both of them are swear word because you could have chosen to use another word. I don't know. Poop ain't right. It don't sound yeah, better. Exactly, with poop. right? 
but you did say shit, and we do we do associate shit with you know shit the swear word. Um, and if someone were just walking by you and they heard you say that word only, they would be like, oh, that's a you know that's a swear word. So our our first uh, instinct is to is to think of it as a swear word. I get it. I'm sorry. I just thought of Billy Madison where he, he lit the dog poop on the. You ever see Billy Madison with Adam Sandler? No, but I, I, I know of, I know of the film. What did he? What did I don't want to. Do? I don't want to say it, but because if <laughs> it's just an example of the movie, but he lit dog poop in a bag on the on the the dog on the front doorstep. I'm sorry, I'm cracking up. I don't think I can tell you myself on this. But the guy goes to stomp it out, and he goes, "It's poop." And Adam Sandler goes, "He called the shit poop." And then it, I'm sorry, I was I was biting my tongue, trying not to laugh, but that just got me. That one hit me. That's a I PG movie that too. Example. That's yeah, a PG movie, so it's like, mm. Mm, right? That's yes, that's super interesting. Um, I that example got past me, so I'm really happy to hear that now. Um, that's, I didn't that's know. Me. I'm sorry if that word offends you. The s word. No, no, know. it doesn't. No, I'm just saying that um, to me, it's still swearing. Like that would count if I were if I were observing swearing and someone uh, said, you know, that there's a a bag of dog shit i'll be like oh but that's swearing uh, because you could have said something else and instead you chose to use this word that you know kind of is in this list of of swear words kind of like the b word you can say you can i mean that word i would consider it swearing even if you're talking about a female dog or whatever you're trying to say that has more of a term to it i would also throw in the category i would say this anus i think that's a curse word as well too hmm, interesting okay. which i don't think a lot of people think of that because it's like a medical term Lingo, but I would throw that in the same category with like saying cock, even though that's for a rooster. I consider that still a swear word. Hmm. If wow. you don't agree, you can tell that's me. That's a no. Um, it's a weird boundary I have because I say other words, but because for me, I mean, I, I feel like there's there's sort of this core uh, group of of swear words, and for me, for anus to be included there, it would have to be uh, because enough other people say it should be there. So this is where, uh, like if you're going to research swearing, you want to you kind of at regular intervals ask people, what are, what are the swear words that you know? And um, maybe even ask them like, how do you feel about these? Which ones are, are really bad? Which ones are okay? Uh, just to kind of take people's pulse on, on where are we right now with, with swearing? Um, I don't, uh, I really, really appreciated what Tim said um, on your podcast about how in America, swear words will never be normalized. Um, I think it's really important to um, revisit that because I agree with him. And um, we also, we also, none of us would ever want swear words to be normalized uh, because then they would, as you said before, then they would they would be bleached of, of all their power. Um, so I used to, uh, I've, I've grown, um, but I used to kind of roll my eyes um, when, when people would say, oh, you know, um, you know, people who swear a lot, um, uh, like they're, they're, just so, they're just so dumb. They don't have any other words um, available to them. And, and, and swearing doesn't sound good at all. And, uh, you know, swearing is only bad. Like just this kind of. Um, well, don't listen to any other episodes besides Timothy J. Tell you that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I would I would roll my eyes at people having this kind of categorical 
um, attitude towards, towards swearing. Like it was just always bad, always stupid. And, and they couldn't be convinced otherwise. And now I find myself really happy to come across such attitudes and, and, and people who have them, because I've understood that if we didn't have people with these attitudes, we wouldn't have the tension that swearing requires in order to survive. Um, so if, if, every, like if everybody just woke up tomorrow and decided swearing's fantastic, great, nothing bad about it, everybody loves it, we would be bored and over swearing in about 20 minutes, maybe. Uh, it just wouldn't have any oomph left, any power. So I am, I'm, I'm kind of on a mission now to, to get people to understand that we should be very grateful to these people who call and complain, um, you know, who, who scold us, who um, spout these kind of negative attitudes uh, on swearing, because they are actually the ones who are keeping swear words alive. Have you looked and to see what category or what percentage of people of the population that are the ones that usually do that? I would have to think people that with like a strong Christian background. Yeah, that's, that's my suspicion as well. I just, I don't know what that is, but I, and I know friends that are Christian, but they're able to curse as much as they want. But it's like, I mean, weird thing about me as well too, saying Jesus Christ, if it's like that, I would consider that a swear word. And I do do it a couple of times, but people consider that this is saying the Lord, don't use the Lord's name in vain, but that's also the rule people, the people that would scold you for saying something like that. That's one of those. Don't use God's name in vain, which to me, that's not a swear word. I'll say, I say God all the time. I can't help that. I'm, I'm also not religious, but it's just something that, you know, that's not stigmatizing me, but saying Jesus Christ in his name, like I just did again, sorry. Got to cross yourself. Just make sure. Um, no, but that's like that's to me that would be a swear word. But that's not. I don't think it falls in the category of cursing, though. Like if I had to think of major names or major words to be said, it would not be. That wouldn't be one. But if I hear it, I go, okay, that's one. It's not fit for this context. It's kind of like you know not to say certain curse words at a dinner table or at a fancy dinner or out in public in like a giant audience of people, unless you're. I would say if you're giving like a TED talk about swearing would make sense to maybe use a swear word, but in like a real significant, like if you're in a job interview, not a good place to say certain words that would fall in that category. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's really important too. So that, I mean, you think, you think about yourself, you are one person and you have your own sort of categories and, and practices and rules for swearing and then multiply yourself by you know, how many billions are we? Um, so everyone, I would go so far as to say almost everybody has some kind of, um, you know, personal compass uh, with regards to swearing, what they consider swearing, what they can tolerate, what they can't tolerate, and, and a gut feeling for when swearing is, is right or wrong. And when you find people complaining about other people swearing, it's because these compasses aren't aligning. Um, so maybe it's not so much a complaint about the swear words. It's a complaint about someone's behavior. Someone is showing a behavior that doesn't align with our compass uh, for behaving. And that's what, that's what kind of rubs us the wrong way. Um, but now I would like to, if it's okay, I'd like to ask you a few questions because you have mentioned a couple of times like 
your family and your background and the fact that you asked, you know, about, about swearing in your family and your grandfather, you know, your grandfather swore. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious um, if you can, if you can tell, like, could you tell me a little bit about in your family, did, did your family members like swear at home with each other or was it like you swore outside of the home? There's definitely swearing in the home, but my parents are DJs and also radio personalities. So you're talking about people that were not really home. So two, three hours maybe to get a nap in and then out back to the nightlife of DJing till 1 a.m. and then going to radio at like 5 a.m. So a lot of it was like kind of we're going to give you freedom. But at the same time, we've trust that you'll be like I'll be able to leave the house when I was 14 be out two o'clock in the morning skating around my town or something like that. But they knew I would be home. And with that good gracious of give you everything type mentality of you control yourself, you parent yourself. I never wanted to go explore anything bad. What I would say my cursing came from is Xbox, 100%. The amount of people you interact on there, there's people that are 20 years old talking to a 12-year-old. And that's there's no that 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 just opened up my my generation. A lot of my friends all have the same guidelines when it comes to cursing because we did that stuff when we were playing Xbox and that you know talking about somebody's mom, all that type of stuff. That was just it was because there was other aged people, people that were forty years old that just got off work, or whatever, didn't want to hear a kid talk, and they would just drop something. So that's where I would say that would come from. But my grandpa, I did spend a lot of summers with him, and most of my time weekends was going up there. He did was like a parent basically. Um, that a lot of that came from certain situations, but he would not allow it from me. If I said something like that. Now, there were instances where it was rare and it did something happen if someone through traffic or something like that. And then I said something, he'd be like, it's kind of like Christmas story, like fudge instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But there wasn't a big grounding and soap issue. It was kind of like, just look over. We're not going to talk about this and then do that. And then once I got older, I'm at my grandparents' house and they're cursing like sailors. I'm like, wait, so is this normalized now? We can do this now that I'm an adult. You see a different grandparent once you become an adult. There's a different version of them. Yeah. Um, right. So that's, that's what I was also curious about. Um, now that, or can, is it, could you tell me how old you are? Or do you want to keep that? I'm 25. Why, why okay. do I keep that a secret? Okay. No, no, no. I don't know. I'm trying my um, best to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, uh, have noticed that, um, for example, when I was in high school and I hung out with my high school girlfriends, uh, you know, a, a real kind of normal middle-class upbringing. We did not swear at home. Um, and it wasn't even the case that my parents had to like tell us no swearing. We just didn't swear. And I know my parents swore outside of the home. I'm, I'm pretty sure I observed a few times, but we didn't swear at home. Um, I slipped once and never again. Uh, and I didn't swear with my friends. We just didn't have this kind of swearing jargon you know, um, but now that we are all in our fifties with our own children in high school, um, with, with me as the exception, um, my friends swear with their teenage young adult children. Um, and it started even a little bit earlier. So once the kids hit kind of puberty, swearing was you know they swore in front of their kids and like well sorry you know don't don't swear 
outside the home, right? Like it was kind of, you know, not a big deal. But uh, my point is that in in one generation, we've seen a shift where swearing didn't happen in the home, didn't really happen, at least, you know, from my experience, didn't really happen with friend groups. We didn't have Xbox. We didn't, you know, have Discord or anything. So we weren't exposed to swearing by other people. Um, but once we became adults and had kids of our own, swearing entered the picture. Um, and I just wonder what, what you think about that, because you're at an in-between age. You're older than our kids, but younger than us. Um, and you have your own experiences being exposed to, to swearing at a young age. I think what do you gonna, think about that in terms of a, of a generational shift? I think you're going to see it switch back again where there won't be any swearing in the household. My brother's a little bit older than I am. I'm c close to 30, and he has. they're about to have three kids now. We have, there's one on the way, and they already have two. No swearing, no foul language at all. Um, even with me, I watch myself and I make sure I'm very sure and cautious of that. There's more of a helicopter parenting, not like how my parents were, but actually way better where it was like a hundred percent. Like if you watch a percentage bar from like, I'm not saying my parents were bad, but I'm just saying from like the freedom and like the restrictions and how it provided and involved, it would be like 50 to where, you know, then you got me. And then now it's the reversal where it's going back to the hundred percent where I'm going to be a helicopter parent, hundred percent, no curse words, no foul language, no, not even talks of a swear jar back to the soap in the mouth type style of things. And I know that's like, I, my brother, I meet him outside or something like that away from the kids and everything. Full let loose back to like being a nostalgia, but it's like different. But then when we're around the kids, it doesn't happen around them. And I go, are you trying to do something that necessarily we probably should have had as well too? But I think that's just generational thing. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's, you're going to see the whole counter kind of go right back to 180 to back to where, when you were a kid and how your parents act with your kids, just because they were given that freedom to be able to do so. Surprisingly, if you give your kids a lot of freedom, hopefully they make the best decisions with it. I mean, my parents really bet the lottery on that. I would make the best decisions with it, but I did, but at also, I have no crazy personality traits besides like my actual personality being a little bit hectic and trying to be a comedy person. Some of the time, this is how I act. But when it comes to like doing my head, all my friends from high school that had really strict backgrounds. The reason one of this, this podcast started in the first place was over a failed suicide attempt. That's my buddy calls me at the not me my buddy calls me at the middle of the night at like 3 a.m and i hadn't talked to this guy since high school and i gave him my phone number and he's on top of his roof drunk so you know we start talking he finds out he was adopted he didn't know his whole life and his parents controlled everything you're going to college you're doing this you're doing that you're doing that and he didn't want to do it he felt like his whole life was controlled for him we ended up talking about it on a podcast and having a really good discussion about it in the beginning but i noticed that it's the the restriction aspect when you're too restrictive then that per they're just going to break out and do it anyway. It's suppression. You can't suppress. You know, you got to let people kind of evolve as themselves. And I think most people are consciously. I mean, this is a good skill to have, but awareness of certain things. Um, I'm at fault for not being 100% aware most of the time as well either. But there's a lot of things you start like I started to pick up as a kid, and then you kind of just start noticing more of what the context was, what the situation is. And I'm pretty sure I probably won't let my kids curse. I probably won't do it myself either. I'm trying to stop it now, but at this point it's been going on for 20 something years or whatever. So I find that it just slips out at certain times, but also I think it's the punishment aspect. I don't agree with the punishing someone for cursing. I think you can do a better way of teaching and making that, you know, a, a, not really a lesson, but just like, Hey, we don't do that. Just commonly 
speak to me and tell me we don't do that here. I'm like, okay. And then it's over and we don't even have to, we don't make it awkward, just gloss over it. First time I ever cursed on my buddy's house was like that. His dad was like, hey, we don't do that here. I'm like, you got it. Yeah. Ain't going to happen. Trust me. And then I turn above 18 and I go over and they're like, what's up, fucker? I'm like, geez, dude, (laughs) what is that? All my whole childhood was different. Yeah. Um, But uh, that's also something that's so fantastic about swearing is that um, that we need language to distinguish ourselves and we need language to um, help us transition uh, in all these different life stages. So young, I think a lot of people would agree, like very, very young children don't need to learn swear words. They do. You know, they do. You can't you can't stop it. They do learn learn swear words, but they don't need to be constantly exposed to swear words um, because children have their their own kind of language. But as children transition to, uh, let's say, preteen and then teen, you know, young adolescents, they need to have some kind of language that can be their own. They need to start testing like, OK, what's it like to be an adult? You know, what's it like to talk like an adult? Um, they test out swearing. Uh, you know, if, if an adult says to them, hey, you know, you shouldn't be swearing, um, then they realize, okay, we got to keep it secret, you know, from the adults. So they, they, have, they have swearing and swear words as the language that they use amongst each other. Um, they know that they're not babies anymore, they're not kids, but they're not adults. So swearing lets them kind of feel out uh, that transitional period. And then when they do reach adulthood, like you just said, now it's oh it's okay like there's almost an affirmation okay yes now you're an adult and i'm i'm showing my awareness of your adulthood by swearing uh, so swearing has so much symbolic value and i think it's just fascinating that you know there are hardly any other words in our in our language that that index you know that 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 point out these different phases we go through and these these different um uh, roles that that we play um and that you know that we perform um and sometimes we're at home with our friends or family we can be ourselves and sometimes we're at a job interview and we have to use a different kind of language or suppress maybe something that would like to bubble up um so we we really do you know hopefully we all become really masters of language in that we know, like you said, hey, we don't swear here. Okay, I'm not going to do it. Like we know, we can we can file that information, be like, when I walk into this house, I don't swear. Uh, when I talk to kids under five, I don't, you know, we, we, can, we can do it. We can control ourselves. We can discipline ourselves. And a lot of times we do that with swearing more than anything else. So it really becomes this kind of the symbol for us. I think yes and no, only because when you're in a conversation with someone and there happens to be a kid around, sometimes you're so involved in the conversation, you forget the kid and then you say this, you say a curse word and then you look and go, oh, and then you say another curse word and cover your mouth. <laughs> yeah. so you're like, oh, it happens to me a lot. I don't mean to do it, but I'm talking to my brother and me and him are like going back and forth. Next, you know, a kid runs into the room. And I'll say something. I'm like, oh, and I'll say the curse word as I cover my mouth. I'm like, ah, I did it again. And my brother's like, bro. I'm like, I can't. I can't help it. You tell him to go to the other room or something like that. I don't know. I didn't mean to do it. But that's like one of those, I guess, 
conversational moments where it's like if you're involved in a conversation, that's good, but also being aware as well, too. I think you can have restrictions such as like different houses. And, you know, if you're going to a friend's house, we don't curse here. That easily gets filed in information wise. But also I question the double standard aspect of some of these curse words as well, too. Like there's a I wouldn't say it's a significance of the time or the area that you're I guess the context of where the conversation is happening. But it's like it's that I can never get out of my head, which is they they curse in their free time all the time. So that was like an authority thing for me when I was a kid where I was like if I when I convinced my parents to curse and they said all this, it was really just like you're going to which is a big fear for me as if when I become a parent, your kid's going to go to school. And they're going to have different backgrounds with their families or whatever. And that kid might be saying some curse words towards your kid who has been limited in speech. Now, does your kid have the smarts to be like, I'll curse, you know, here, but I won't curse at home because my parents don't allow it. Or they're going to be like me and just ask your parents for permission on the aspect of cursing. And it really, I mean, you don't want your kid to be bullied and put in a situation like that either, but you also want to get them conditioned to the aspect of you're going to hear these words. They're going to be here in your life, whether it's going to be a friend that tells you Santa Claus isn't real or whatever. There's going to be someone that's going to, in a movie or something, you're going to hear it. But then at the same time, there's other things that we will not say in America that other countries say, like it's nothing. Australia is a good example of what word that they use. And I, that's the reason I first ever started being normalized to that word was doing the show and hearing people from Australia I would talk to just start tossing it out like oh, crazy. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, right? so if – and to me, to me, it just – that solidified law is no longer a solidified law. Now that is a notion that is challengeable because of the context of the area that I'm located in. So if it's just because America, we have a stigma against that word, why can they say it so freely over there? But then they have other words that I use that stigmatize to them. Yeah. So it's like – Again, those flimsy notions of things. Yeah. I mean, over here in Sweden, you hear the uh, English swear words fuck and shit all the time. You hear it on TV. You see it in the newspaper. You hear it on the radio. It's everywhere. That's so weird. It's crazy. Yeah. It takes some getting used to. Um, but What's it's it like in me print, a, though? a research What's it, field. What's it like in print when you see the word printed? It's it's strange. Um, I get super happy now when I see it. And I, I'm constantly cutting things out of the paper, taking pictures of it. Um, but something that I have noticed here is that, uh, you know, there are these um, uh, maybe four kind of national newspapers. Um, and something that these newspapers have in common is that they um, will... Uh, I don't think all newspapers do this, but they'll 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 kind of highlight a quote. So there'll be an article and maybe an interview with somebody in that article, and the person being interviewed says something. And if it's really interesting, you'll kind of take that 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 out and and make it like bigger and put it, you know, in its own kind of uh, special space on the page. And it'll be a quote that this person said. And so many times, the the quote that's featured has an English swear word in it. Um, and, and so I've, I've really kind of theorized that, that there is, there is a, an awareness um, here in Sweden of, of the, uh, the, the kind of censorship practices that are in place in, in English-speaking contexts with regards to English swear words. They know of these practices, but they are not beholden to them. And this is really fun 
for them to kind of break our rules, if you know what I mean. So they get away, you know, they get away with swearing in the media, like on TV, on the radio, in the newspapers, um, and, and kind of revel in being able to use our swear words in a way that we are not allowed to. Do you find it you get more comfortable when someone does swear around you? Oh, um, do you mean do I do I interpret it as uh, like an indication that that we are on informal terms and kind of getting to know each other, trusting each other? More like when I have a conversation with someone and why I call it a conversation, when I hear someone say a curse word, it means that they're not thinking about their appearance. They're thinking about being in the moment with me and talking to me, which I think gets to an in-depth discussion on things. Yes. Um, I, I think that that's fairly established now that, um, that when people kind of let their guard down and, and relax, if you're already prone to swearing, that's when swearing will come out because it, it does, it does reflect this, uh, this feeling of being safe, relaxed, comfortable and and it, feeling a connection with the person that you're talking to um it doesn't it doesn't always work that way um you know sometimes the person that you're talking to might be like what i don't i don't really dig swearing you know um it, there's always a risk there's always a risk uh when when you swear for the first time with somebody you don't know but when you know people and you know you're with friends that that I think not only my own research, but other people's research have shown that that swearing is a really reliable feature to um, to be able to identify interactions as informal between close friends, intimates, um, because they're swearing there. Yeah, I've noticed with uh, law enforcement is when I typically don't say a single word about it, and I know not to. So I'm self-censoring in that aspect. I think I'm talking to a federal judge. I don't say anything, even though he might drop the word. He might drop damn, and I go, like, wait a minute. I don't consider that a swear word. Is that a swear word? And then afterwards, <laughs> we'll have a full discussion where it's like, nope, no holds barred type thing. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So you're just like a normal guy. But it's that federalness or that government aspect of things where I just go, I know you guys can't really do that whether it's going to be put out on air because you do have a job for anything with academics. But then I've heard academics say whatever you want. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Academic freedom. Be yourself, please. I always hate it when someone goes, my tweets don't or do not count of tweets of my employer. They're my own thoughts. And I'm like, I hope they are. I really do hope that they are because I just want to know who you are. I don't think, but I guess because people could see something like, oh, do you represent your university? I'm like, no, no, no. We got to let people identify as themselves. Like that's the biggest thing. And I get it. Look, hey, add more credits to your resume. That's fine. But also it's you that I want. It's the person I want to talk to. You know what I mean? And I don't know. That's uh, maybe it's a lost start, but I don't usually see that a whole lot. Usually everything is like, what's your advertiser or what's your university or what's this and what's that? I'm like, Man, I was like, it's why to let people introduce themselves and people go, oh, that's kind of, that can be considered as rude, sure. But I just go, no, because nobody knows you better than yourself. And then once I say that, people go, you know, that makes a lot more sense. It's just like, well, I just, I don't like the whole interviewing. Well, not interviewing, but when you start off something, I could have said it's Christy from blah, 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 blah. And I could have said a bunch of things, but you know you better than you. If you want to explain your job title, that's fine. But also, I just would like to let you introduce yourself and then bam, we go into something. Yeah. So uh, when you have when you have guests, uh, 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but do you do you like let them swear first or do Ooh. you swear or sometimes recently I have let that happen because I'm trying to cut down on my swearing. Um, but also, I don't know, sometimes I'll accidentally if someone's telling me a story about a serial killer named Janine Jones and uh, it's a very interesting story, but um, it's Peter Elkin. It's his episode. He says he's at her house for eight hours. And uh, this lady had killed up to what they speculate, 60 babies. When he said that, I said, like, I just said, damn, like really loud. And it was like in a sporadic, like just out of there. And he looked at me. I looked at him and he kept going with the story. Didn't even skip a beat, just kind of just went a little bit over it. And I just go, OK, that was a reactionary thing. Didn't mean to do it. But it's like we didn't even talk about it. But typically, like, I'll get a guest go, can I swear on your show? I'm like, have I not said it three or four times already? And then they'll be like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, because you're just going at that point. Yeah. Um, because I was just wondering, like, sometimes if... Do an experiment on me. Let's do an experiment. Yeah, because if you... I think this would... It would be really... It would be really interesting to do an experiment to see. Because I, I kind of like when when somebody swears and you can tell that that was was noted and and people are like oh okay it's okay to swear here um so swearing gets answered with swearing um or or not at all but i but i feel like you know i feel like sometimes we're not we're not always conscious of this uh we're not always like Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> is this okay to swear here? Is it okay? But you, you sort of notice like someone is swearing. You're like, oh, you know. Um, I think it does. I, th I think it's really, it's really difficult for us not to notice swearing. Like swearing is really memorable. Um, I think that if you if you have a conversation with anybody, um, and you know, you walk away, somebody walks up to that person and asks, "Hey, did you guys swear in that conversation?" I really, really don't think. Uh, many people are like, oh, I don't know. Like, you just know. I think it sticks with us. It's something we notice, we mark it, and, and I Not might be me. wrong. You know, Not with me. I might be wrong. You wouldn't remember? Like, you wouldn't remember if... um If it's a certain word, yes. But if I had to think back, I mean, I could tell you I've done, I have probably like 20, like, these are all pre-recorded. I probably got like 20 episodes on this computer. I only know one specifically that I remember hundred percent. And that's the one I told you about earlier where the dude said the what word five times. That's the only one. Cause that's just one that sticks out in my head. If I think back, I know I have, I can't remember if the guest did or not, but I, when I listen back to it and I hear it, I go, yeah, they did a hundred percent. Mostly it's the facial cues. Facial cues are big for me. Someone goes like this and kind of looks like, Oh, like then I go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But then sometimes you know you hear them say it and like they'll like not even flinch or anything but it's also jobs they're an investigative reporter if they're a journalist most of the time they're thinking about their credibility a lot of the time so they tend to keep that professionalism which i just wish we can break down that professionalistic wall i've heard academics do it on plenty of times and i've also heard academics that keep a no curse basis but it's funny we never ever out of all the guests cover there is no cursing on this there's never that with anybody. I've never said it. Nobody's ever said it to me. Can we not curse on this? We've just jumped into the conversation. And sometimes if it naturally pops up, it does. But I never usually try and go out of the way to be like, oh, I forgot to curse in this episode and like <laughs> crack the wrist or something. Never do that. Yeah, but yeah. I also think it's like 
it's also depending on the conversation as well too. It could be so severe where the real gravity of the situation where I would be 100% focused in and no cursing would happen on my side or their side, but also to really sink the message home too. I mean, when you say I love you to somebody, you know, is it I love you or is it like if it's middle of the night drunk or something, you just go, I fucking love you. Like that has a message to it. So it's same like that with conversation. I mean, is it just something that gets tossed out because the person just doesn't know how to control themselves or is it something that's supposed to really set meaning into something? Yeah. Um, But I I was just thinking uh, there there are people who would be more aware of swearing um, and try to use it. uh, I don't mean in any kind of dastardly way, but... But you know, try to use swearing strategically. Um, just if we if we kind text. of know, bam. <laughs> <laughs> well, like if we know that swearing is um, is used among like friends and intimates, and you want to you want to kind of speed up that uh, that that process of getting close to somebody, um, you know, make someone feel relaxed at home, safe. Then swearing might be a way to do that. Um, so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unheard of, um, you know, for you to maybe use swearing strategically to try to, uh, 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 create that, that environment of, you know, it's just the two of us. Um, it's everything's safe here. We can speak freely informally. You know what I mean? I've never, usually I can tell if someone's comfortable with it, then I can say it. So just to let them know, like, hey, I usually just will just straight up tell them, like, you can curse if you want. I've had some people do it, like my buddy Bruce. He's deep into a lot of the stuff I like to talk about, but he'll be like, bleep, and he'll say it. I'm like, you can curse on my show. That's fine. He's like, I know I, that was a curse, me doing the bleep. And I'm like, okay, fair. But I, usually I just get – like I, I usually don't say anything unless I see it, – like it looks like kind of like you want to let a dog outside, and it's kind of like – uh, I want to say this because I think it would really help. And I'm like, you can if you want. And I can kind of just sense that out of somebody. But that's also because I've been doing a lot of conversations where you can kind of pick up the gravity of the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Um, absolutely. I think that, you know, uh, subject matter has a lot to do with it. Um, but also, you know, this this format, this podcast, um, like to me, it's kind of a formal I mean, I know we're we're conversing, we're being informed with each other, but it's still like you're sitting there and I'm sitting here and you have your nice professional microphone. Um, and and we have a topic, you know, we have swearing as this topic, and you approached me in my in my sort of um professional role. So there are there are some aspects of this communicative context that that make it a little bit formal. So it is kind of like, hmm, you know, we're speaking freely, but it's still uh somewhat of a there's still some formality there so i imagine that people are a little bit unsure you know where where do they stand i'm sure 100 percent. i mean i can't tell exactly what every guest is thinking probably can't predict it either but my whole purpose is like it's that little recording button in the top when that goes away when you stop noticing that that's when i know that i did something right you know what i mean like that means someone's there with you. They're in the conversation. I've had conversations that just end up going into something completely different. I mean, we did that in this as well too. We touched upon a few things. There is a formality to it because you know this is a podcast type deal, but it's also not easy to get people out of that situation. 
where as long as you can just be yourself as well too. But I mean, that's asking a lot, just especially in one first meeting as well too, because there's a lot of things people worry about, whether it's what's going to look like or whether it's going to be this or that. And I wish we didn't put that much pressure on people because I feel like that's why a lot of people end up, you know, really getting, I, I would call it aggression issues as well too. I think when people are suppressed on certain things, they end up getting, when they get mad at something, it's so quicker because they just can't express themselves. Like swearing and stress. I think it's a stress reliever, a hundred percent. You know, if I stub a toe and I say, usually it's a curse word that comes out, but it's never anything super aggressive, just stuff that I would consider very fringe, like damn is one. But it's something like that. But to me, I'm already not mad at whatever I just did that stubbed my toe. So I think that's a lot of that too. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic to have these words that can help us release that. Um, and, and really, I mean, it could be any word. You can train yourself to use, to use any word. Uh, will, I think it takes some training, but you can, you can do any word. Um, what's really interesting is that... Uh, uh, in in some like work situations, this has been observed where there's where it's very stressful um, that uh, employees will swear a lot, and it's a good idea to let the employees swear. They need to be able to release that stress. What people have observed, however, is that when the stress gets to a certain point, when it's just incredibly stressful, all the swearing stops. People get so intense that they can't even swear. Like it becomes almost quiet except for any kind of instructions that you might need. So the swearing, the swearing means it's manageable. We're managing it. We're managing it by swearing. It's stressful, but we're managing it. As soon as people stop swearing, that's when it's trouble. I would add a caveat and the caveat would be the kitchen. That's oh. where a hundred percent. I've been called many names. Just I worked in a hotel for a little while, but walking into the kitchen, Oh my goodness, the list of things just because I'm walking in the way, it's lunch, are you? And just gone at me. I'm like, well, I will see that guy in one hour from now and he will be 100% nice to me, giving me a plate of food and be very, very like, I'm sorry about it. He don't even, sometimes they won't even think about it. It's just bam, but it's a whole different personality comes out. But I would consider that that's the place you really do got to curse because that's in a sweat place. I mean, you're, let's talk about 100 degree day, you're, it's like 150 in the kitchen. You cut your hand, you do anything, you're screaming at each other. Nobody's taking offense to it. They're all like, this is what we got to do because we just, we got to let steam out of us because it's all boiling up in here. And I think that's like one place you just got to leave your feelings at the door and walk in there. Yeah, that's a stressful situation. And and maybe it, it helps you understand uh, Gordon Ramsay better and why he swears so much. I think that's, I think that's what you have to do though, if you're Gordon Ramsay, because how many people are doing a kitchen show? How many people are doing a show like that? But I think he sticks out because of the whole, you know, he is a UK personality, but also he has that cursing bloody hell and all, all that whole thing is helped him stick out. It's like, uh, what's this super stuff, Bobby Flay in his flame shirt. You know, you got to have something that sticks you out from the pack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually done uh, some research on a YouTuber um, called PewDiePie. Do you know who that is? Oh yeah. He stepped away for a long time. Yeah. He, he went down a, a strange path, but in the beginning when he was doing these um, like let's play uh, and horror, he was doing a lot of horror games. Um, he was swearing a lot. Uh, and I was really, really interested in the kind of swearing that he was doing and how people uh, we're receiving that swearing if there were any sort of, you know, complaints about that. Um, but also since he's a Swede 
Um, so he was a, you know, a non-native speaker swearing a lot in English and just, you know, what, what people thought of that. Um, but it seemed to be like he, he has claimed before that he learned English basically is kind of like your Xbox thing. He learned basic English, basically playing video games um, and, and picked up a lot of swearing there. Uh, but his swearing seemed to be really stress induced um, because these, uh, these games that he was playing were either incredibly frustrating, like unwinnable, um, or they were just really like scary, stressful uh, horror games. Slenderman. Plenty of Slenderman yeah. videos with PewDiePie where he's scream. I mean, that scares me too. I don't ever curse. I just, I'll, I'll scream straight up. I just jump scares get me. But his, he stepped away. He used to be the top person on YouTube that was getting paid the most with the most amount of subscribers. And then he took a breakaway and then came back now. I don't know if he swears now though. Does he swear recently? I've oh, seen I haven't, I haven't watched him recently. I haven't watched him recently, but I really did think that, that his, um, his kind of, I mean, I don't want to belittle it in any way. I was going to call it a gimmick. I think gimmick is too belittling. I think that what he did required a lot of effort and work and, and dedication and time most of all. But I really think that the fact that he swore so incredibly much helped make him like Gordon Ramsay. I think there's a parallel there stand out. Um, that, that was kind of his thing. Now, I don't mean that other, other people don't swear. People are swearing all the time and people are swearing on YouTube. But I really think that the way he did it, um, and he was also kind of, you know, goofy and funny, but he really swore so much that people were noticing it and, and kind of drawn to him as this kind of non-native speaker. I don't know if everybody is aware of that, but, but you know, his way of playing these games and swearing like repeatedly was really his, his little niche there. There's a, even a 180 again right there is Mr. Beast, the top guy on YouTube now. Yeah. He's not a swearer ever, does not very clean, just donates money and does all these other types of things. But that's the complete, op like what my nephews will probably and little cousins will be growing up on are going to be things where I grew up on the complete opposite, which I only picture it them doing the same exact thing where it just reverses again and then the whole cycle starts over again where they're going to have their kids curse and it's going to be so normal to them because they're going to experience it later in life and then be like what why was i never shown this as a kid and so they might have a bad reaction to it but mr beast is now the top youtuber and he's got no videos i think of cursing which is just interesting to me because i find him appealing to watch maybe because he's spending a bunch of money as well too but i used to just play all the cursing stuff and I find myself listening to songs that don't have curse words in it, even though most of my generation probably listens to rap songs with four or five different ones. So I don't know. Like I said, maybe it's because you can experience it and you can do whatever you want. It's just unimpressive. So then you try and find something where me, I, some of my favorite comedians, clean comics. Uh, I think that's fantastic. I love this perspective. I love, um, I'm super intrigued by this. And uh, I wonder if you're not right, that this pendulum is swinging back again, that, um, you know, we've, we've overindulged. And now what's, what's more um, interesting and provocative is the absence of swearing. I think that's a fantastic take. I love it. I have my favorite comedian on here, Steve Simone. He's a, a clean comic. I have dirty comic like that i like to listen to as well too they're friends of mine but him doing that i just go it's so impossible for me to try and do that the fact that you can find humor in jokes and not put a swear word in is impressive 
And also for him, some of his are favorite dirty comics because the hardest thing for him to do is try and swear in his comedy. And then you got, it's like Bob Saget. Bob Saget was one of my all-time favorite comedians. But the fact that he was full house and then he was a dirty comic on the side where he would just crack a bunch of jokes about everything. And I'm just like, that's impressive because there's an art way to do it. But also at the same time, you don't need it. And a lot of people just haven't really experienced a way anything different and that for me like would be impossible but i could probably learn it it would just take a lot of time but yeah i don't know okay uh, what did you is it steven simone is that what you said steve simone yeah steve simone okay I if you look, look back at his episode just to be fair it was during the pandemic when everything is locked down so it was the first time i ever shaved my head and it just happened to be the same time i got video so oh, okay. i don't look <laughs> as good um but yeah i gave up halfway shaving it and then I was sitting on my buddy's couch and his mom's like, you gotta, you gotta finish that, dude. You just gotta, you gotta do something with that. You look ridiculous. I was like, there's no haircut places open. So, you know, she, she fixed it, but I was, I have hair that doesn't grow back on the side because of that. So. Oh no. I look, it was like a year and a half without a haircut. I needed one. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided to take some trimmers and do it myself. Yeah. But Steve Simone, his comedy, I think you would really enjoy because he's got yeah, a pretty I, artsy I'm way I'm really curious it. about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm super excited about this take. I I have to say I hadn't thought about that, um, but I I I think you might be onto something. Um, that that this is going to be like, you know, the way you make your mark, not by swearing, but by not swearing. Who me or who? No, just people. Oh. Just this. I'm sure that'll be the next trend. Is not doing that. I mean, I know advertisements are now advertisements are always behind, but I see them pushing that now but as much as everything is now going to start showing swearing there's going to be a large now attraction to the complete opposite and it's not an authority thing it's just because you're you not seeing the other thing anymore it's like kind of like the lobster syndrome if i tell you're allergic to lobster you're immediately going to start craving lobster yeah you have lobster you'll die it's like doesn't matter i want it now and you'll try it but i don't yeah. know if you write a paper yeah. about it let me know i'd love to read it yeah 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 exactly um but, i'm gonna have to observe that Christy, we've been talking for a good while. I enjoy the conversation with you, but is there a place where people can find your links? Um, well, I, I, I am off Twitter. I don't approve of Twitter. Um, I would recommend that everyone get off Twitter now because I think that it's being abused by Elon Musk. So I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I am not on Facebook. People can look up my university if they want to find me, but otherwise I don't really have that much of a, a digital presence beyond, you know, my research that's available as well. So, sorry, short answer. No, there, there. I'm sure I have a page on my university website, but um, nothing that that I can immediately direct people to easily. Well, if I find some more research articles of yours, I'll post those in the links, and also post your university page as well, too, so people can at least be able to find some of your work. And I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show. Um, it's been. Thank you. I just want to say thank you um, uh, for taking an interest in this topic. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I think it's really important that we all talk about this. Um, and everyone, everybody has an interesting story about swearing. Um, so I would encourage people to share their stories. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. And stay tuned for our next episode.